Welcome to the PopGo Project Podcast, a platform for the discussion and discovery of arts and entertainment. We focus on highlighting people and events that add value to the world around us. Visit us on all social media platforms by searching The PopGo Project or visit our website at thepopgoproject.com. Welcome to the show and thank you so much for listening. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services located on Kern Street in Exeter, Pennsylvania, near Blue Ribbon Dairy. That little rodent Punxsutawney film may have seen his shadow, but let's reverse that little bastard's plan for an extended winter and start thinking spring. Schedule a free estimate today with this family-owned and operated business and have your yard prepped and ready for summer. The shop also has house plants and arts and crafts for sale, as well as rock salt, just in case we do get that ice and snow. Keller's Garden Center and Landscaping Services. Hit them up on Facebook or Instagram to learn more. Mike Miz, how are you, sir? Hey, how are you? Good, good to see you, man. It's been a Dude, while. It's been a minute. I, I was just thinking <laughs> about you. Um, I, you know, I'm glad you're doing this. I appreciate your time. Um, and I was thinking about you. And I, last time I saw you, like, like you know, I've, I haven't seen you in face to face in I don't know how many years. The last time I saw you like this in this form was actually April 8th of 2020. We were we were fresh into the pandemic of uh, COVID 19. Uh, I was on a podcast with you. It was you. Uh, Hoover from Rock 107 and Ryan O'Malley. We did a, a quick like uh, check-in with you, and I think you had a new song coming out at that point uh, in time. But um, yeah, three years goes by, and a lot has changed. I know, man. That that was crazy. Like thinking about those times and like how up in the air everything was, and um, you know, it's 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 interesting to think about. But believe it or not, a lot of this that you know, I don't know if this is the right thing to say or not, but some of that some of the, those times are actually really enjoyable for me. The, the peace and the kind of quiet and the sort of the whole world going on pause like that. It was actually kind of, kind of refreshing and sort of like a, you know, sort of like the pause I needed at the, at the time, to be honest with you. But A lot of musicians have said that uh, over the course of the few years I've been doing this, just like, and a lot, a lot of people too. Granted, it was a terrible time, right? People were dying, you know, the economy's you know crashing, uh, so much uncertainty. But like a lot of people, really kind of took the time, slowed down, kind of did some self reflecting, worked on themselves, worked on their homes, worked on their families. It was, I don't want to say, I don't want to use the word reset, but it was definitely like uh, something people embraced, all things considered. Yeah, you know, I think you said it the right way. That, that it, you know, it's like when you're faced with a situation like that, and the only really thing you have to do is sort of, you know, all you have is yourself at that point. You know what I mean? There, there really wasn't, you know, much escape. I mean, I guess you could sit and just watch Netflix all day or whatever, and and some people did that, and that's that's okay too. But I think for me, the point I was at, you know, it was just another like layer of the onion at that point. It was like, okay, this is. There's no changing it. You know, this is the current situation. I can't do anything about it. So, yeah, I use it as a time of all that stuff, man, self-reflection. And and also, like, I remember around that time, man, I don't know why this popped in my head, but, like, seeing all those pictures from, like, foreign countries and stuff where, like, the air pollution moved out and the, you know, like, they could, you could see and stuff. And, you know, there were, like, wild animals walking through the streets of towns. And there, there was something pretty, pretty wild about that. But, uh but yeah, yeah, yeah. Man. Less people moving and driving, and, and now we have trains crashing and, and dumping uh, toxic chemicals into <laughs> water supplies. It's always something, right? Oh man, yeah, it's terrible, terrible. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. It's almost so. Today's March eighth. This is recorded, so uh, uh, this will come out in a couple of weeks. But so almost three years to the date. Like we're like eleven months. Um, uh, but. Back then, we were talking about new music. Um, I think you were uh, actually at your mom's place in New York at the, t- the time. Yeah. And we've got more new music from you coming out. Uh, a CD, a record um, due out April 14th. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's been great. The, the last year um, for me, things have been, really been moving and, um, you know, just been, it's kind of cool. Like when I first came to Nashville, um, just past my four year mark um, and obviously COVID in the middle kind of almost like, you know, took a shaved a year and a half off of, uh, you know, what would be considered normal, uh, you know, normal living down here. But, um, but man, this last, so I like, I just wrote that whole first year, you know, kind of first year and a half I was here, just really like kind of stayed in the background and just learned and watched people. And, uh, you know, uh, went out to see some of the greatest musicians in the world play like on a regular basis and sort of took all that inspiration and started writing and, and then the recording process happened and it, it's taken a while, but yeah, it's all, all, all kind of coming to a bit of like a culmination right now. And, and the, the tunes are all finally coming out. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. Really, really kind of really neat time in my life right now. So this is three years in the making, essentially. Um, yeah. Well, the funny thing. So like I, that whole first year I was here, you know, like I said, I was kind of writing and, and meeting people and, and just kind of hanging back and, and taking my time and getting the lay of the land. And then, um, you know, shortly after that, you know, we had the whole COVID thing and yeah, I was at my mom's and my grandmother had passed away and a couple of things, you know, happened like that. And, and then, so about another, maybe almost a year of, I was up there for about four months and then I came back here and everybody's still kind of tiptoeing around, but, um, I was finally able to get into the studio I guess. Yeah, that's crazy, man. It's, it, it's honestly, this record has been two years in the making. Yeah. So the crazy part about it is the whole record was literally recorded in three days, like top to bottom, all the songs, 90% of the record was cut right then and right there. And then, uh, you know, man, I, I took my time. I wanted to get it right. I, I wanted to, you know, get it mixed and, and, uh, you know, get just the right amount of like overdub stuff happening. And it took a long time, man. I think that's what happened too is, you know, I, I recorded the record and it still really wasn't much on the horizon. But then all of a sudden that summer, if you remember, like things started opening back up again and everybody got like real busy again. And like, so it, it was, there was a lot of moving parts. It, it took a while to, to sort of all come back together, but it's weird. Once again, it was kind of frustrating at the time when things were taking so long, but now in hindsight, when I look back, I'm, I see like some sort of like, grand purpose behind it or or i'm like once again i was glad i kind of took my time and just let it you know didn't force it let it happen how it needed to so yeah it really, it really feels like this these last three years have been like you know part of me feels like it's been so long and part of me feels like it never actually really happened maybe it was just a dream that we yeah. from uh but yeah i mean it, it's a long time right but it's not and and you know it, it's cool that you 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 were able to take that time to kind of focus on these songs and, and also just, you know, let them come as they, as they did. Right. It's just kind of like, there was no pressure. There was no, um, you know, I got to get a record out. I got to do this. I got to do that. Like it just kind of happened. Totally. Yeah. It's funny that you say that even the whole recording process, you know, I think that was one of the things for me, you know, like getting, getting a little older now and, have, you know, I've been at it for a long time, you know, doing this whole thing, you know, writing, recording, playing. And um, I sort of knew better this time around, you know, and especially in a town like this too, like things just happen here. If, if you just, you know, kind of keep your, you know, keep your head in, in what you want to do and, and just be cool and, and um, don't force things, you know, and, and, um, like all the right people kind of just came into it's a, it's a really awesome story actually how the whole the whole record came into fruition and how it all happened and and yeah it, it it took longer than i wanted it to but like you just said like you know i used to put so much pressure on myself and there was nobody ever really breathing down my neck saying like mike you got to have this record you know it was it was my own personal uh you know like i i sort of box myself in and you know, I don't know, man, I, I got, you get burned out doing that to yourself, you know? So, it, and it's cool. And, and as we all know, it's sort of like, you know, a lesson in life when you take your time and you do it right. And it, it's all, it's always better in the end, you know? So. Yeah. And you said that you've been at this for a while and I feel like, you know, um, your name was uh, synonymous with my time in the media. You know, I started with the weekender and I don't think we ever really sat down and talked outside of, like I mentioned, that quick interview we did with you, me, Hoover, and, and uh, Ryan O'Malley. 
um, which I was kind of was just, just in the background, uh, you know, listening and, and watching. So this is kind of neat for me to have you one on one. So, again, thank you for the time and thank you for doing this. Yeah, no problem. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, you originated in, in Northeastern Pennsylvania and um, you moved to Nashville. You said you've been there for almost four years now. How, how has the, the writing process and how has the relocation played a part in, you know, this new record compared to, you know, previous music that you've written? Man, that's, that's a great question. Yeah, I mean, and, and first and foremost, man, I, yeah, same thing. I remember hearing about you and you were doing all kinds of cool stuff for music and, and, and uh, you know, like always involved in, in the scene and stuff, man. And, and you know, I, I have nothing but respect for everything you've been doing and it, it's really cool. So I'm, you know, I'm honored to be to be talking to you, man. Thank um, you. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, so, yeah, man, all, all great questions. The The thing, I guess, as far as the writing process goes for me, I was always like a really personal songwriter. Like I wrote songs by myself, you know, at my home in my bedroom, wherever I was, my lyrics were always super personal. Um, if not, you know, in hindsight, looking back, maybe a little too personal and a little, uh, you know, too sort of like, a, you know, emotional vomit at points. <laughs> and nothing wrong with that. You know, we all do it. It's but, therapy. Um, it's therapy, right? Well, and that's all, man, I could, that's a whole nother tangent I could go on because <laughs> it, it absolutely is, man. Music. You know, we can talk about that in a minute, but but music really, in, in a lot of ways, kind of saved my life, man. It, it gave me gave me purpose, and it it gave me a reason to just keep going. You know, but but um, but yeah, man. As far as the the writing process goes, so when I moved here, you know, this is the the land of the co-write, right? Like Nashville is where people come to co-write. They and co-writing, you know, someone that's listening, it just means more than one person writing. You know, and a lot of times it's it's usually two or three, maybe four people sitting in a room hashing it out. And I was really nervous about, you know, going into that. Like I didn't, you know, I was willing to try for sure. I, and, I, and there were some people I wanted to write with, but, you know, I, I was nervous about, you know, just sort of like giving my ideas over. Like some of these ideas I, I guard and protect and, you know, like what I'm always writing tunes. I'm always working, you know, I always got a couple going at, at any given time. But it is, so it was kind of scary for me to like, you know, present those in a, in a ride and, and, and sort of like, once you do that, and once, you know, pen hits paper and people start writing, then they're on your song, you know, they're co-writing with you, you know what I mean? They're, they're part of your thing. But once I like let go of that and found a few people that, that I sort of worked with, man, I can't, I can't tell you how amazing it's been. Um, Kind of like I was saying a minute ago, I always held myself to such high standards and, and put so much pressure on myself. And, you know, I always like held myself up to like Bob Dylan's lyrics. You know, if my lyrics weren't as good as Bob Dylan, you know, I'd, I'd toil over them. But but in the long run, I don't think that really did me any good, man. It, it was cool. When I moved here, you know, people moved to Nashville for all different reasons. But for me, the main purpose, which I'm really still happy about and, and, and I still believe 100 percent in is I moved here to grow and to learn. That was my whole goal. I came here to grow as a guitar player, as a songwriter. The, the best people in the world live here. You know, like, like this is right now, right here, right now, this is the greatest music, potentially the greatest music scene the world has ever known. You know, and it's happening right now in real time, right here. And so, man, this might be a little long-winded, but you want me to like tell you the story how it Go for it, man. That's what we're yeah, here for, man. I want to hear it. This is really interesting, man. So um, I was supposed to be moving with Jaconda, and, and I'm sure you remember. Oh, him from, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. So, so you know, I wanted to move to Nashville. Bob Lewis was like my main point of contact. I had another great friend, my buddy. You know, a lot of this, too, um, I, I can relate right back to Andy Pace, who's a wonderful uh, musician from Northeast PA, um, uh, was a drummer in, in a band called CNC Music Factory. and played with like Gary U.S. Bonds and played with all these cool people. And he was the one who started poking me. The, the funniest part about all this is I did a, I did a, I did a interview with, um, with um, NEPA music scene. Uh, what, what's the the podcast and the, the NEPA uh, website? Uh, Facebook. Uh, NEPA scene. And yeah, everybody that's worked for that is so cool. And I, and I support and love everything that they do. And I, I put a record out, I think, 
it was around that time. And someone had asked me on the interview, like, hey, would you ever consider moving to Nashville? And I was like, oh, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Less than a year later, you know, here I was. But I was supposed to move, be moving with Jaconda. And uh, some stuff w- happened with, like, the place we were supposed to be moving in. Like, things got mixed up. And it, it was no fault of his own. I, I kind of kind of bummed that we didn't get to live together because I, I love that dude. He's, he's a great guy. Um, so the place fell through and it was like a month out and I'd already been selling off all the stuff out of my house, you know, making massive life changes. And my Bob, you know, who I'm sure, you know, Bob Lewis, yes, Bob Lewis, great guy. You know, I, I called him. I was like, Hey man, do you know anybody like down there who might be looking for a roommate? And he's like, yeah, I know this guy named Boo Ray. <laughs> and of course everybody, you know, comment when, when you hear that, it's like, who the hell's Boo Ray? <laughs> you know, <laughs> such a unique and interesting name and, and a, and a very, very long story short, is a month later, man, I, I had packed my Subaru up with all my guitars and everything, you know, my whole life into my Subaru station wagon and drove down here and, you know, showed up at Boo-Rays, you know, hey, man, I'm your new roommate. <laughs> and, uh, man, I got to say that it was, that first year was really one of the most special times of my entire life. It was me, uh, Boo-Ray, this other uh, great musician, cool indie artist named OJR, and I, I highly suggest checking him out, Oliver Oliver uh, Rogers, and uh, he was living upstairs. I didn't meet him for a week. All I heard was just music coming out of this guy's bedroom, like for a week. Like I, He never came out of the room, and, I, and then I finally met him, and you know, it was whatever else, and my bedroom that I moved into was previously, um, had just been vacated by now one of the, the greatest session guitar players in town, this guy named uh, Saul Littlefield, um, who's become like a dear friend of mine now, but he had just moved out and he had recently had just played on like all the Luke Combs stuff that was really blowing up at that time. And um, so I moved into his old bedroom and I, like I was in the house and me and Bure were like feeling each other out. We'd like, you know, pass each other in the kitchen, making a meal or a cup of coffee or something. And I never met anyone who worked as hard as this guy. I mean, this guy would, he'd be writing tunes and practicing his guitar literally from like 6.30 in the morning until like 2 a.m. And like, it it became intriguing to me. I was like, man, this guy, like, these guys like work. Like, these guys were like going at it like all day long. Same thing with OJR. I mean, just day after day after day, just recording, writing. And um, I don't know how it happened, but me and Bure, well, I do know how it happened. So we had a living room. This was like a true musician house, right? There, there was a mess. <laughs> and our living room at the time was literally just road cases and like half a drum set and mic stands and just random gears, you know, scattered everywhere. And I was like, like, guys, you know, let's put a coffee table in here. Let's move some chairs in. Let's, you know, so people come over to write or play guitar, you know, we have somewhere to go. And they were like, yeah, okay. So like, I literally found a coffee table that one of the neighbors was giving away. We later found like a futon that someone was giving away, like in their yard, just like moved all this crap into this living room. And I swear, like right from the first night, like once it's like, it's like, if you build it, they will come. Right, like I yeah. set up this next living room and then me and Burai sat down and we right off the bat, which is so funny, actually, uh, you know, perfect timing. We wrote the song six ways from Sunday in about an hour. And that's actually the new single that just came out on Friday. The music video is coming out um, on this Friday. And man, it was like, we couldn't stop it after that. I'd, I'd run over to Bob's. I'd work on some songs with him. I'd bring him back to the house. I'd show Boo Ray. And then we'd start writing and um, very long winded answer. I'm sorry. But, but the point of point of it all is I was finally able to start trusting someone else and, and letting them you know, like, like sort of like I was willing to take their input on, on the song and man, looking back, I cannot tell you how grateful I am to that. I did that. Some of the lyrics that I was trying to put in the tunes and some of the, even the chord progressions and stuff, like I think back now to like, if I hadn't written them with Bob and Boo, like they wouldn't have been anywhere near as good as songs as I think they are now. So it, once again, man, I, I kind of been achieving my purpose of just like growing and learning and and being like open minded to, you know, just to whatever feels right, you know, and, and to taking that sort of leap of faith. And, man, it's been it's been really cool. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's like part of the process and the experience and, you know, you kind of alluded to the fact that you, you learn to trust people and you have all these like-minded people around you too. So it's kind of like it happens by accident and it kind of feels good as opposed to like 
doing it yourself or, or, you know, just kind of being alone with your, you know, your thoughts and things like that. So I think like, I mean, not that there aren't people in, in EPA that are talented and, you know, you could lean on and, and collaborate with, but, you know, in that, that city, that scene, that, that vibe, I mean, you probably walk out the door and immediately are overcome with this, like, you know, this is where I'm supposed to be. And this is just this, everything around you is, um, you know, who you are to an extent. Yeah. Yeah, man. You know what? Like, let me say first and foremost, too, I absolutely love Northeast Pennsylvania. Like, you know, I know a lot of people skip town and, you know, the place they grow up and they're like, oh, you know, I got to get out of here or whatever. But, man, that whole valley and that whole area, man, is where my heart will always be. And the people that live there, um, some of the writers there, I mean, guys like Brett Alexander and, um, you know, my, my family, my, my dad, my uncle, Paul, my aunt Mary, that play in the band old friends and people like, um, you know, John Kanjar, um, you know, plays with nowhere slow now, you know, unbelievable talent up there. I could name, you know, 50 other names too. Um, but other, other songwriters and, and, and real true artists. So, yeah, I feel like it was just the next step for me. I was like, kind of, I sort of saw the writing on the wall. Like if I don't move down there now, I'm never going to do it. And my first thought was maybe just come for a year and feel it out. But, you know, obviously it's been four years now, so <laughs> sticking it out, you know, it, it, it's been really, it's, it's been, you know, one of the best decisions I ever made for sure. And yeah, it's, it's an inspiring place to go, man. And it's also, you know, what's another cool thing about it is it's a humbling place to go. Like, you know, there's a million people in this town that are way better guitar players than me, way better songwriters than me, way better singers than me. And I love it, man. I, I When you embrace that and when you don't look at it as a thread or as a, you know, you just kind of shed that, any sort of jealousy or anything like that. I, I love it. I love going out and hearing someone just like blow me away. You know what I mean? It's, it's it, And I take, I get inspired from that. It makes me want to go work harder and stuff. It's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. You mentioned the talent that's here in NEPA. And I, I always say that I would put, this this uh little scene of ours up against any other buddy any other city in the country i really would I, and i mean that and you're a product of that you know um yeah but uh <laughs> you know you pick up and you moved it to nashville and i mean and i'm not calling you old but i mean probably what mid-30s you, you did that oh man I, yeah i mean i was 34 when i moved here yeah yeah and like 35. you're just like i'm moving i'm packing my car i'm going I, I i don't even know the person i'm living with i don't care like that's like wild. Like that's so like I'm jealous of that because like my life has been all it's always I have a plan for everything. Like it's all calculated for the most part. Like I don't take any real risks. So like I admire that about you that you're just like, you know what? <clears throat> this is a move I got to make. I'm gonna go do it. You know, mid-30s, <laughs> living with who knows. <laughs> and you know, and you land on your feet and it's it's great. I will say, yeah, man, thank you for saying that because looking back, I don't know what was going through my head. You know what I mean? Like the person I am now, I'm not sure if I still would have made that move. I'm glad I did. And, and, you know, moving into a house, like, I, like I was, I had my own house up in, you know, up in Northeast Bay. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, moving from that into a house with three other roommates who, you know, um, potentially weren't maybe the de- neatest, uh, tidiest people, <laughs> you know, it, Oh man, I, I'm so grateful. Yeah, that that I just did it though, and, and and you're right too, man. Like the landing on your feet part. I think the the real one of the good things about that once again is you know people move down here you know with the idea like I want to be a star, right? And and people do, and 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 some of them, man, some of them get it. Um, I had already kind of lived through that part of my life. You know what I'm saying? Where I kind of was looking at my world and thinking, well. I've been doing this already for since I was in high school, literally playing playing gigs and writing songs. I'm not going to stop now. And why not just become the best writer I could be? You know what I mean? Why not go where all the cool stuff is happening? And um, and I think a big part of me, you know, the, the things are really kind of moving for me now. Things are like really happening. And I think a big part of that was just sort of being cool and laid back and I didn't have an agenda, you know, like I didn't come down. I didn't really bang on people's doors or try to go out and say, look at me, you know, sign me to your label. You know, I, <laughs> I didn't really do any of that stuff, man. I, I just kind of like 
I had some tunes that I thought were good. I, I know I'm a pretty good guitar player, you know, and I was like, man, I'm just going to see what happens, you know? And I think that attitude helped me a lot. If it was 10 years earlier, I think I probably would have came down here and potentially made a mess of it or, or whatever, you know, I, I think, I think I'm lucky too. once again, like there was some cosmic chain of events that led me to moving in that house and then meeting, you know, Saul, Saul Littlefield, the guy who I told you, you know, this, the session guy, cause he ended up like producing and recording the first two songs I, I put out. Um, that song Virginia ended up getting a write up in Rolling Stone. Like all this, these chains of events just kept happening. That was like kind of out of my control. It just sort of fell in my lap. It's pretty cool, man. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. And I imagine like those opportunities probably wouldn't have happened if you weren't where you are. Yeah. So no, I mean, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a strong believer in everything happens for a reason. And we might not always know what that reason is immediately. Uh, and there's, there's things that have happened to me in my life, you know, 15 plus years ago that I don't have an answer for yet, but I'm, I'm still like, I still believe that everything happens for a reason. And one day, uh, you know, that might, you know, come out, but we'll see. I love that. I love your attitude. I think that's amazing, man. Yeah. Can we can we talk real quick about Jaconda though? Like I'm I'm so like, you know he, he so anyone listening who knows you know you and, and me and uh, Jay Jaconda was uh, the lead singer for a band called Lesson One. Um, great band, great guys. It, but what amazes me is he just like one day he's like I'm done. I'm done with music. And he like yeah. moved to Nashville. He's a uh, a barber now. I think he's running his own shop to a, to an extent, and he doesn't even look back. Like I, it, it's 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 kind of wild to me. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, he cuts my hair. <laughs> um, nice. he man, he like I respect that so much. Yeah, I really do because it is. Here's the other thing about it. Like that's the reasonable thing to do. That's the. Um, like that, that the, the good money is, you know, like the, the bad, you know, on a the better outcome is that, you know, like it, the shit that I've put myself through, you know, for the sake of music and, and so has Jakarta and I know he has, you know, like, and all the stuff we used to go through, like it gets to a point where, I mean, it's, it's just like damn near impossible to, mm-hmm. to just, you know, and, and I think I, I really respect that, man. He's got a cool little thing cut out, you know, for him down here. He's good buddies with uh, Jared, the guy Oh, also who you know from back home, I'm sure he used to play in. Um, oh God, I'm not going to remember the name of the band. Uh, heavy band. One of the greatest heavy rock and killer guitar players. Uh, Jared Peterson. They call him Germ. Germ, yeah. Uh, yeah. God, I don't know why I'm not thinking of the name of it. His band was super well known. Syphilis, Spitcan. Yep. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So those two are, are good buddies and, and they have a, you know, a cool thing going on. And Jaconda's like in his own, you know, got his own like cool East Nashville world carved out for himself. And he still goes, I still see him, you know, posting stuff, goes to see shows at the Ryman and, and uh, he seems like he's just been a great place, man. You know, super yeah, big, I mean, healthy, like working out and shit. Like, yeah, really cool. for sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I'm just, it's, it's always like wild to like see someone who like music was, a huge part of their, who they were, you know, like at least performing and then like, you know what? I'm done. I'm out. And I don't think he's even touched a guitar. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I know, I know there's a bunch of guitars sitting around at his house. Cause I've been there. <laughs> so he probably still noodle. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I would feel like bad if like he like was that like done with it, but I didn't know germ was down there. Dude. Germ is like, Germ, first and foremost, is the most insanely talented guitar player that you've never heard of because he doesn't play out. He builds guitar. I mean, dude, look at this. He built this right here. This is so cool. This guitar, it just happened to be sitting right next to me. This piece of wood is made out of a 250-year-old piece of old-growth pine that was the side of his family homestead in Hunlock Creek. Like, this was literally the side of a house. And he built this guitar from, I just made him put this new pickup in there. <laughs> nice. I don't know how happy he was about that, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> but um, like, look how cool this thing is. He's so talented. This is his company too, by the way, if anybody wants to check it out, it's called Clydesdale Guitars. 
And uh, he's also uh, a, a, a guitar tech and sound tech for um, Brantley Gilbert. And he goes out on the road and, and, you know, he's all linked up with, you know, massive bands that are, you know, playing arenas and stuff like that, man. And wow. yeah, he's a hum- humble dude, like doesn't even talk about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And his family's from Humlock Creek? I think it's it's definitely up that back mountain area somewhere. I'm pretty that's sure Humlock Creek, yeah. That's where I grew up. Jeez, that's crazy. Small world. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. But uh, talk a little bit more about this new record coming out. Um, I saw that it was recorded live to tape. Talk yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Thanks for asking. That's, that's another question that I, that I love. <laughs> it's uh, so what, what ended up happening is uh, a couple of buddies of mine, we all went to um, muscle shoals. Well, this is like two years ago now. And we recorded at the studio down there. Um, it's not one of the two real famous ones. It was the it was the overdub studio where they would go and take the stuff from like Muscle Soul, Soul Sound. They would do overdubs at this studio, which is now an amazing studio. Um, and it's also slip in my name, uh, slip in my mind. I'll think of it in a minute. But I became obsessed with wanting to go record this album down there. Right. So. Um, when I moved here, once again, I was checking out all this great music and in the back of my mind, I sort of put this like super band together. Like, okay, if I ever record an album, like these are the dudes I'm going to call. Now you throw COVID into the mix. Nobody's on the road. Nobody's touring. Everybody's, you know, trying to make ends meet and do all that stuff. And so I started making calls and like the first people that I called right off the bat, like right down the line, were like, sure, I'll do it. Sure. I'll do it. Yeah. When are we doing it? Like, and we were all set to go to Muscle Shoals and the thing that saved us from not going, which I still do want to go down there and record a record. You know, there's amazing history, you know, obviously I'm sure, you know, about what went on in Muscle Shoals and, you know, some of the most legendary music ever was cut down there. But um, Ted Pecchio, who I played a gig with, thank you, Bob Lewis, actually it was Bob Lewis and Megan Palmer. They stuck me on this gig and Ted Pecchio was playing bass. And we like looked over at each other after the show and we were like, and he's like honestly the best, probably the best player bass player I've ever played with. He's he's an he's an animal. Um, and, and we were like, man, that felt really good. He's like, yeah, man, you sound awesome. He's like, you know, give me your number, man. Let's let's like link up. And and so I started talking to him, and he was like, he was like, hey, man, the Muscle Shoals thing's cool, and I'm down to do it. He's like, but he's like, I've been working over at the Wood Brothers Studio, this place in uh, you know on Charlotte, in West Nashville. He's like, and we've been cutting records over there live to tape. And I was like, live to tape. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, you should really call the, you know, the engineer who once again, ended up becoming a great friend, uh, Brooke Sutton. He's like, give him a call and see if he's got, you know, anything open and, you know, just kind of feel him out, you know, if if he'll do it. So I called Brooke, have a great conversation with him. And it just became quickly apparent that like, you know, these guys that, that I was having to play are, you know, they're kind of high in demand dudes that are all, you know, super busy doing stuff. And it just seemed logical to, instead of like getting everybody driving to Muscle Shoals, you know, getting the Airbnbs, you know, working out the travel, the hauling gear, like he's like, we could just go over the, the they call it the Studio Natural. We just go over there and just set up and literally just press record on the tape and, you know, everybody could wake up in their own bed and and so, man, that was always a dream of mine uh, from like real early on. You know, I, I knew all, all those, you know, like the Beatles records and then, you know, on down the line of, you know, all these legendary recordings that were cut like that. And I think that maybe I'll disagree with this down the road, but I think that I'd been working on my singing a lot, which was something I, I struggled with a lot. I'd been really taking lessons and honing it in. And that was sort of like a turning point for me was like, okay, like you're going to be able to like, literally sing a record live to tape like that's it you know you turn the tape on that's all you got now granted we did do some overdubs you know not every song was the finished take but most of the songs were literally like there's a couple tunes on the record wander blue is a good example which i just love that song um what's another one we put on there there's a couple tunes that are there just no overdubs no auto-tune no metronome no messing with any vocal correction you know no overdubs literally six guys seven guys just you know count the tune off playing it and and that's what you got so it's man you know 
I'm so grateful to have had that experience. You know what I mean? To, to really have been able to go into the studio with, especially with the band like that. You know, I could talk about the guys that played on the record. Like, man, these, these guys are some of the greatest musicians in the world. I mean, I just feel so lucky that I got to even just be in the room with all five, six, seven of those dudes and just play live. And like the, what I was hearing in my cans, man, there was one point, uh, another great example of that is the song Understand, which came out like a month or two ago. Total live to tape, vocal completely live. Like I remember getting done with that take. And it's a really that was a really deep song for me. And just like literally like had to hold back the tears because like when you're in the moment playing and you hear that, you know, that's the sound of my youth and all the records I love. You hear the, you know, the tape come on. Well, I guess it's more in the playback when you hear the tape hiss, but just the sound of all these guys playing my tunes live in, in the cans, man, and and capturing those performances man it, it just it's i get the chill thing about it, man it was, it was so special it's so cool isn't that like a lot of pressure but on yourself oh, unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable amount of pressure dude i mean exactly what i was saying before i i think there's some part of me that just loves to like torture myself yeah. <laughs> but no you know on the other side of that coin though i think i finally like was starting to believe in myself as a writer and a singer and a band leader and um I, I sort of just kind of like moving here. I sort of took the chance. Because this is another scary thing, which I've never talked about. You know, this stuff isn't free, you know. Now, granted, you know, my buddies were pretty good to me. Um, and I'll leave it at that. But um, if this record, if this didn't go well, you know, like if we recorded this album, we had those three days. That was it. If we didn't get what we needed in those three days, there wasn't going to be an album. Not only was there not going to be an album, but there was going to be no money to record another one. You know? right. So, so yeah, man, the pressure was on for sure. And there's still all kinds of little mistakes on there that, you know, but I, I love them. I don't care. Again. I don't, I don't think anyone's going to know unless it, you, yeah. know, you and the guys doing it. <clears throat> the perfectionists but yeah i mean talk a little bit about that song understand i mean you, you mentioned you kind of got choked up about it and it's very personal to you i think it's a about traveling home and um any, any background you can share with about that song man I'd, I'd love to yeah so that song first was about to go on um my 2018 album a year ago today i'd written that first part of that song um, and the little guitar intro riff, but I knew the lyrics weren't right. I knew they weren't right. And I wrote, I rewrote that song literally like 30 times. Like I was, I was actually driving Bob, Bob and Boo Ray, I think half crazy with like, okay, well I changed this now. I changed that. And I finally sat down and the one cool thing about the co-writing thing, which, which Boo has helped me with a lot. He was like, Hey man, like, what are you, what are we trying to say in the song? Like, what are you trying to say? Like, what is this about? Like, explain to me what you feel, explain to me what you see, you know, paint the mental picture in your mind of what this song's about. And it just all came pouring out of me. So like, you know, that song is very specifically about um, Route 502 uh, in Music PA, which is uh, one of the first places I lived when I was a little kid up in Springbrook. And um, there's a stream back there. Some of you guys listening might know called Rattlesnake Creek. And my dad used to take me back there when I was a little kid. And the first verse is, is about going back to Rattlesnake Creek after, you know, not being there for, you know, a decade or two, you know, and, and just thinking about being a little kid and, and where my life went. And, and, um, and then, it, you know, it talks about, you know, driving back to the memory and, and, um, you know, man, as you know, I mean, I, I try not to make this like, the main point, you know, obviously people love to ask me about it, but you know, I was a heroin addict on and off for 15 years, man. Um, and I'm very, very lucky to be alive and did some really regretful things. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of people know the story and I guess a lot of people don't, but, um, you know, and it took me multiple attempts to get sober. Like there were some parts where it looked like, okay, he's got it. And then it would all come crashing back down again. And, and so that song is about um, really just coming to a place of complete and total acceptance with like, the, just like we said about the COVID thing, you know, there's no changing this. This is, this is, this happened. This is my life. So you have to, you know, uh, you just have to accept it before you can move on, before you can do anything else. And the cool line in that song, which I really love, which is, you know, I was born in Scranton and I've lived in every, I've lived in every part of Scranton except North Scranton. I've lived in, 
you know, West side, South side, East mountain, um, all over there. And, um, there's a part that says, you know, I heard St. Anne's bell ring and I thought about the songs we used to sing. And my grandmother's name was Anne, you know, and she was, uh, you know, she's Catholic, just like most people in, in Nipah and, and was a very devout and, and was a really, really wonderful human being. I had a very close relationship with, and, uh, Obviously, St. Anne's is a section of Scranton, and everybody knows the St. Anne's and the Novena, and I used to go there when I was a kid. And that line is really, um, what's the word, cathartic to me. It really brings up, you know, every time I sing it, you know, I heard St. Anne's bell ring, and I thought about the songs we used to sing. And and my Nana, you know, who my grandmother, we we call her Nana on the Irish side, and, uh, you know, uh, my childhood, man, was spent at that kitchen table at her house on William Street in Pittston, PA, with the whole family, all, you know, all the people from Old Friends and, and my Aunt Paula, who's another amazing songwriter, uh, incredibly talented person. You know, my ch- I grew up listening to those people sing around that kitchen table, you know, Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, a wedding, a, you know, whatever it was, a funeral. The guitars came out, man. And then they and man, I that is so it's so cool and i'm so lucky to have had that experience you know because it really doesn't happen much anymore which i was thinking about a lot last night actually um those were some really really special times man i have a really really wonderful family who's the really loving awesome caring empathetic people and 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 they're and they're so talented and i'm just really lucky to kind of come from that batch you know so yeah well, I'm gonna start to hear about your grandmother. Um, I mean, she was 91, so I mean, thank you. She she had a pretty good luck. Yeah, that's good. That's a good yeah. run. Um, and and thank you for uh, touching on you know you overcoming addiction. I, I mean, I obviously I know your past, and I didn't. I wasn't going to bring it up because you're in such a great place now, and sometimes those things are left. Um, you know, if you want to go digging, people can find out about you, right? So you have the internet. Um, but, and I just wanted to say, I'm really proud of you for, you know, what you've been through and, and overcoming that and, and, you know, being the person you are today. And, you know, people can definitely look up to you and, and, and see that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and that, you know, you know, people can overcome great things. So, you know, just thank you for touching on that and, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. I got, you know, I got no, uh, no shame about it. It's, it's part of, you know, it's part of my story. Obviously, you know, some of the things I did were, you know, shameful and regretful. And, um, I kind of really kind of made a fool of myself for a good few years there, you know, and I think a lot of people in Northeast PA, certain crowds of people sort of just like wrote me off and I don't blame them one bit. I have no, I totally get it. You know, I, I understand, um, you know, I'd show up at gigs, you know, high and late and, you know, broke and, you know, all the, all the things, man. And, um, and I also, on the flip side of that, I'm also so grateful that there's a huge crowd of people up there that have stayed with me through the whole thing, like supported me through the worst of times, man. It's incredible that people were that, you know, empathetic and, and willing to like see me through that and, and sort of just kept rooting for me. And, and one thing, like you said, man, you know, I, I'm not like a, I'm not like the poster boy of recovery anymore. You know what I mean? Like I, it's, it's a huge part of my life, but I'm also careful about, um, you know, I'm not coming out saying, you know, sober musician, because like I did all that before, you know what? I went back, you know, and, and, I really try to stay in a day-to-day basis. I've been sober, you know, several years now. Things are great and, you know, life is good. But, but you know, um, I I would like to, you know, just to kind of finish on that point, I would like to hopefully in some way, shape, or form kind of use my um, my failures as a means to maybe help somebody else, you know, because there's going to be somebody else that's going to go through that. And, and, you know, our area, man, was hit hard by that opioid pandemic and probably still is i'm out of the yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it it really man it was like kind of ravaged i mean i lost count in the 30s with people i know that have overdosed and died like so man you know i hopefully you know somewhere along the line the person that maybe gets sober if you get sober and you stay that way dude 
awesome. But there's going to be people out there that are going to struggle like I did. And they're going to go up and down and everybody's going to think they got it. And then they're going to go back, you know, and that's what I did, man. And I just hope I could help the next guy just to, just to understand that it's a process. All you have is today and to never give up on yourself, man. You know what I mean? Is if you're still breathing, man, there's still hope, you know, and mm-hmm. It got really dark for me, man. I have seen the gates of hell like multiple times. I've been there. And um, and I'm just, once again, man, I'm grateful that. And, and, you know, lastly, you know, on that point too, another thing I will say about Nashville, man, talk about a great recovery community. You know, I walked into a couple of meetings down here. I mean, you know, recovery things. I, 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 I tend to, uh, you know, surround myself with other people in recovery, man. And and I get to hang with some of my heroes, man, you know, and I get to, um, you know, there's some people, you know, that I'm surrounded by that, you know, I kind of, you know, keep their personal business to themselves. You know, I don't kind of spread that stuff around, but that are really some of the coolest high level, most well-renowned songwriters in the world that, that I've connected with, you know, through recovery and some of them i don't even talk about really music with you know it's and it's awesome i love it i love it that way so yeah well again you're in a great a great place and uh i feel like you're still on this upward trajectory um and a lot of good things happening this year you know, the new album uh comes out it's said april 14th uh called only human um the first song off that uh hand of the sculptor that was a fantastic song i feel there's more of a I don't want to say rock vibe, but almost kind of like a, like a, a rock vibe, especially that, that song in particular, um, compared to some of the other stuff. Yeah, we were going for like the mid-70s Stones rock and roll. Yeah, for sure. Thing, yeah. Nailed it, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, what else do you have going on this year? I mean, I feel like it's going to be a, a great year for Mike Miz. And um, outside this record, what can people expect from you? Um, yeah, it's meant, honestly, you know, my goal of this year was to simplify and it hasn't really been going too well, (laughs) 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 but but, you know, I I do plan to really kind of hone in and focus on my own stuff, but I, so I just got done with rehearsals, you know, an hour or two ago here with, uh, playing with, uh, Andrew Ferris from NXS, um, recently, you know, linked up with him and we're, we're playing South by, you know, we're heading to Texas. Um, Yeah, I was already playing down there. I have a couple of showcases of my own. And then it sort of magically worked out that, you know, he, uh, a, a good friend of mine had called me one day and literally, dude, it was crazy. It was like, I had like 24 hours. He was like, Hey, listen, man, I'm rehearsing with Andrew Ferris and he needs a quote unquote strat guy. Could you be here tomorrow morning at 10 AM? Like to try out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I stayed up till four in the morning, put a pot of coffee on, learned, learned the set list, showed up the next day and, you know, got the gig or whatever. But, um, so I've been doing that. That's been exciting. It's pretty cool, man. Getting to play, you know, all those iconic songs that we all know, you know, like, uh, you know, um, you know, you know, all the ones, man, you know, uh, yeah. It, they, to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you've heard, you know, everybody knows that song yeah. and, uh, you know, never tear us apart and, and all. It's really cool, man. It's cool to play those guitar parts. But I, so I got that going on. I also started a side project with um, a fiddle player um, named Tanya, Tanya Elizabeth, who plays with the Ava Brothers. She's awesome. And we got a little duo thing going uh, when she's not out with the Ava Brothers. And then um, I started a thing down here uh, called Nashville is Dead because, um, you know, I grew up, you know, my dad took me to see the Grateful Dead when I was nine years old and it blew my mind and I've been sort of a deadhead ever since, but um been putting these cool things together where I get a different band every time. And it started as a bar gig and then just kind of went, took off. It's been crazy, man. The last gig we played was at the basement East, which is like mind blowing to me. It's, you know, it's like an 800 capacity club, you know, like went from playing in the corner of a bar to that. And uh, the next one we're doing is at third Lindsley uh, next month. And so that's been really cool. You know, just like, getting Nashville musicians together, writing a set list, no rehearsal, nothing, just show up at the gig. Okay, here we go. <laughs> and kind of hang on for dear life. But um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's cool, man. It's it's also really cool. Like I got Bruce Bowden on that gig. Like Bruce Bowden is like credited with like saving pedal steel and country music. Uh, you know, he literally plays with like Garth Brooks, Shania Twain, like, you know, like 
if you you know like uh you look at his wikipedia page it's crazy but you know he didn't never played the dead or anything and i was like hey bruce you want to do this gig and so he did the first one with us and like loved it <laughs> and now he's like hey you doing another one of those when, when are we doing that again so now like like he's he's the one guy i've had like on all of them just because it's so cool he's, he's such a legend and, and he, he killed it and it's just been cool it's been really cool another cool thing i, I will say is uh, uh little uh secret little cat out of the bag um Grace Grace Bowers is sitting in with us on the next one. And if you never heard of her, you will. <laughs> um, she's a 16-year-old guitar player who's like setting the world on fire down here right now. And um, so it's gonna be cool to get to jam with her. And she's got a pretty, pretty crazy tra- trajectory going on. And man, sorry, I feel like I've been long-winded, but there's just yeah, there's so much going on, and you know, I'm still kind of amped up from a great rehearsal today, and probably a little over caffeinated. <laughs> yeah, you just poured another coffee tonight before we started. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you're yeah, that's a busy year so far. It's it's uh, only March. Yeah, man, it's, I don't know. It's Nashville too. You like just like I got that Andrew Ferris call. You, you you never know. You know, you never know what tomorrow's going to bring. So we'll we'll see where it all goes. But I'm excited, man, to get this album out, get some music out in the world. I've already got an acoustic EP done. Um, so I'm already got another one ready to go. I recorded a new single, which I'm really happy about. I know I'm probably, this is probably getting ahead of myself, but I recorded a, a new single with uh, Ken Coomer, um, the drummer, you know, drummer from Uncle Tupelo and, and Wilco, um, who's been, you know, we've been talking about working together. And um, so we finally got into the studio together. He's, he's played a couple of gigs with me before. He's a really awesome guy. And, and uh, he produced this new tune for me, which man, I'm, really happy with so so it's all kind of man i just keep keep my nose to the grindstone and stay healthy and you know put my you know what needs to be you know the good priorities put them first and keep on working man you know <laughs> yeah for sure that's awesome any uh plans for a trip back home this year yeah mm-hmm. any shows lined up that you're gonna you know maybe surprise us with or just go yeah visit? we're about to announce the last one um but yeah i'm doing uh in May, I think it's like the second week of May, I'm doing um, Asbury Park, Lancaster, PA, Wilkes-Barre Jazz Cafe, May 12th, nice. the official uh, Northeast album release show. So uh, mark your calendar. I'm pretty sure, is it May 11th or May 12th? It's a Friday night. Pretty mm-hmm. sure it's May 12th. May um, 12th, yeah, May 12th. Yeah. So yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be really cool. And, uh, you know, check that out, get your tickets. I think tickets are on sale already. Then I'm going to do uh, an upstate New York thing. And then I'm actually doing Godfrey Daniels for the first time. I've never played there. Um, down in Bethlehem, really cool, like legendary, uh, you know, music venue. Like Tony, I have a bootleg of Tony Rice playing there uh, years ago, which is so cool. And um, so I'm playing that. Godfrey Daniels on Mother's Day. And then I think I'm heading up to Syracuse that next day. It's all on my website. But, um, but yeah, man, got a nice little... Nice little Northeast run in, in the works. So. Sweet. What, what's your website? It's uh, MikeMizMusic.com. Easy. That's easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You mentioned the Jazz Cafe. That's like that's like your home. Yeah. Yeah. The Jazz Cafe is, is definitely my home away from home for sure, yeah. man. It, during COVID, I was like, oh, man, are they going to survive? You know, and, you know, everybody's worried if the venues are going to survive. So I'm so I'm so glad to see that they pulled through and, and, uh, you know, Heather, a wonderful person is, is sort of running the ship down there now. And, yeah. and man, that place, uh, the doors and the, th- the doors that that place has opened for me in my life, that place has completely changed my entire life. Oh, there's another really cool jazz cafe announcement coming, but I can't say anything about it yet, but, the, but just, uh, you know, uh, hang tight. There's going to, there's something else I got drumming up there in August that I think people are going to really, really dig. So. Very cool. Yeah, I'm glad yeah. that that place, I mean, there are so, f- um, there are already so few venues in this area. Um, and then you yeah. know, we, lost, we lost just recently Carl Hall. Um, and there's not really a lot of places to, for bands to play. I mean, uh, you know, like a mid-level room, it's, it's the Jazz Cafe. And I honestly can't think of another place. I mean, there's the V-Spot in Scranton that's very music oriented, but that's like a yeah. definitely a, a a bar, right? Like it's 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 not a place. I mean, it's definitely a place to go to see music, but 
Yeah, um, Vinny's done a great job with that place. You know, I, I think, man, I think he's, you know, he's like, he's doing all he could, man. He's the I, best. I, I, yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. Yeah, totally support what he's doing. But uh, Stage West in Scranton was a great venue. That's just no longer around. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I forget when they closed. Um, that was a cool spot. And I'm just thinking, like, there's really no true, like I said, like a, a, a mid-sized room. Um. Oh, the, the jazz cafe really that I could think of. Yeah. But there's the Keystone stage and Oliphant, I guess, is one. I've not, I've never been up there yet. Um trying to think if that's it though. There's not a lot. It's not a lot. So I'm happy that the Jazz Cafe and the Jazz Cafe has definitely um you know opened up its uh I guess genre uh offerings. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be a very like jam band heavy and and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with that, but like it's definitely opened its doors to, to like rock bands, and I just saw uh, Portland Frank there a couple weeks ago, which is Paul Young's new uh, project. He's from Panacea. Love Paul Young. Yeah, what a great you know dude. Paul. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, the whole band. Uh, Paul Young. Uh, Johnny. What the hell is his last name? God damn. Shit. Who's an Ashfall? I think it was name. We're, we're both blanking on on names. Yeah, <laughs> that's okay. But yeah, so, uh, but yeah, some rock outfits that are, that are going in the, in that room. So it's cool. So I'm happy yeah, that. I, it, totally, man. I I love the fact that they're putting all different genres of music in there. That's great, you know, because you know AJ was doing that at Carl Hall. You know, he was doing the whole spectrum. Yeah, and it's cool to see maybe some of that could move over to the jazz and and um, you know, but like the thing about Northeast PA too, like you kind of touch on, is like. There's an amazing music scene. There's wonderful people. But the one thing that people don't talk about a lot too is the fans, man. Like the dude, Northeast PA is full of music loving people, man. Like mm-hmm. they will support you. They will come out. It's hard. I know how hard, believe me, if anyone knows how hard it is to get people to show up at a, at a gig, it, it's me, believe me. But, but once you kind of get them, man, but like, there's a reason why the Almond brothers have their festival, you know, in Scranton, you know what I mean? Like there's a, right. The the you know the the I know the Grateful Dead community talks about it you know there and 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 in other genres too like the, all the cool stuff that's happened with um um what's that one band that really hit it big the uh, Tiger's Jaw um yep. and then there's that other band from Scranton who I'm blanking on to now that was like a cool indie rock thing that like the Menzingers um, what is it the Menzingers yeah yeah that band. And then you, you know you have the cabinet thing. Those guys are all. It's, it's so nice to see those guys with like they got the whole operation kind of up and moving again. And man, what a what a wealth of like true like grit and like like blue collar hardworking people and hardworking musicians. Man, well, once again, I whenever whenever anybody brings up Scranton, it's kind of unfortunate now at the office. I mean, I love the office. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've hung with this. You know, like most musicians, I've played. You know with, you know, half the staff, half the cast, but, um, you know, uh, I hope someday Scranton gets remembered for the music scene too, or, or some more of that stuff now. Cause you know, obviously when I say, you know, where, where are you from? I just say Scranton, you know, I've lived all around that area and people like, Oh, like the office, you know, and that's cool. Yeah. You know, it's a cool thing, but man, there's, there's a lot more to it than that too. You know, there's, there's, uh, just what, what a, what a cool, you know, a cool like m- mindset and a, and a cool area to come from. And like, the work ethic of, of, you know, those people and stuff that I was taught and was like, like able to apply in my life. You know, Jared told me that, you know, Jerm, when I moved down here, he's like, dude, just take that, take that working class mentality that you were doing back there. He's like, just apply it down here. He's like, it'd be fine. It'd be great. Yeah, so. for sure. Yeah. I, w- I, w- I was just talking to a coworker today and I wish there was like a, a like a space. Cause I, I don't think like a venue can like succeed as just a venue that could operate like on a Friday, Saturday, you know, unless you have tons of money, you don't care. You don't have to worry about the mortgage. Like, right. And then you can, you know, make a couple of bucks on the weekend and, and it's all good. Like I wish there was like a, a room where, you know, maybe the front of it was just like a, like a, a bar and a, ha- a cool hangout place. And then, you know, you go through maybe like, I don't know, like a door and then behind it was like a small, like almost like a theater type setting where you can have like bands and, comedians on the weekends that would be awesome that would be rad so i agree i wish it existed i know right man 
you should you should make it happen. <laughs> remember Blue I've Street? I've got no money. <laughs> remember uh, remember that place, Blue Street? Where at? It was in the old Ritz Theater building in Scranton. Okay. Remember the Ritz when you were a little kid? I feel like I saw a movie or two there when I was a little kid. It's it's right where Gucci's music was right next door there. For yeah, me. yeah, it's yeah. And then that's that's like they've been doing something with that. Like I feel like Joe Nardone was in there at some point doing something. Um I forget exactly, but yeah. That's another place I just I wish it, you know, that was sort of like the jazz cafe at Scranton. I wish that place could have kept yeah. going, you know. There's that Leonard Theater in Scranton. Um it's on Adams Ave across from uh, the barbershop, Loyalty Barbershop. Oh, man, I got a good story about that place. Leonard? Oh, man, yeah. Let's, let's hear that, it. That, that place, when I was uh, in my first band, Appalachian Barnhouse band, um, my drummer, Jack Copley, was working. He had like a family business, and they were like delivering packages or I don't know what he was doing. I have no idea the story behind it, but you know, that place was sitting up there empty for like a long time. Now we're, this is like 2001, maybe 2000. He went up there and was like, talking to me, he's like, what are you doing with this place? Like, and there was like nothing going on. And, and he was like, well, I'm going to ban. He's like, we should play here. So long story short. And I wish to God the tape existed. Um, my band played a show there in 2001. It had to be 2001. And dude, it was the first time in my life that I remember like a lot of people, I think we had 280 people through the door, which was like mind blowing to me. Like I couldn't believe it. And I remember that I made like 350 bucks and I, I couldn't believe that I made that much money playing my guitar. <laughs> like I, I, it like blew my mind. Yeah. But the, the funny part was, um, you know, I was already getting into like, you know, partying and stuff that I shouldn't have been doing. And so we were drinking backstage and there was a guy filming it actually, uh, a guy, I feel like his name was Lonergan. He, he used to do a lot of work for the disco biscuits. He had this camera set up on the balcony and filmed the whole show. Um, and before the last set, I was backstage and we had like, we're drinking out of like red solo cups or whatever, you know, so that my mom wouldn't be able to tell that I was drinking beer, which she probably knew anyway. <laughs> but I spilled the whole beer, like all over my pants, like oh, no. completely sopping wet. And I like, had to walk out on stage and be like, <laughs> sorry, mom. Sorry, everybody. But uh, I spilled beer all over myself. <laughs> that guy pissed his pants. <laughs> <laughs> And the thing that sucks is so at the end of the night, we were all packing up and everything was, you know, we were all wrapped up. And I, I just heard boom, like this loud crack of a noise. And I just heard, uh-oh. And the dude that was filming accidentally, it was a you know, uh, VHF. Yeah. Accidentally knocked the thing off the balcony and it just smashed the floor. So there is no no recording of that, unfortunately. Oh, damn. <laughs> That's that was a cool spot. I was there once. I was there for uh, a Menzinger show actually in 2014. They played there, and cool. I mean, cool room, but I mean, I, to, to get up to code, I don't think it's just like people are afraid to touch it, you know, as far as you know, investing the money into that. But another space that's gone unused and it's unfortunate, but it is, man. Yeah, but we can. We could sit here all night and probably talk about uh, venues past, but uh, that'll bring us down, and that's not what we're here to do. But um, and I don't want to keep you any longer because it's getting late for you. It's getting late for me. I've got work in the morning, unfortunately. <laughs> and no worries, I'm going to be at rehearsal again tomorrow morning too. And I got to actually have to. I got to rehearse now for the rehearsal tomorrow. There you go. And I'm I'm lucky to do what I do. So no yeah, worries. I, I could talk to you all night, but I, I don't want to keep you. Um, yeah. I, I do thank you very much for your time. It's it's uh, it's it's funny. I've I've known of you for for so long, and I've, we've never had a chance to really talk at length. So thank you again for doing this. Um, only human due out April fourteenth. Best of luck with that. Will that be obviously on the streaming services? But will that be available uh, in in the uh, the CD format or the record format. Vinyl. Yeah, so got just got the CDs, got the CDs printed. We're gonna have those up online. I got vinyl done. Um, there's gonna be a limited batch, three hundred vinyl, real real low, starting real low. Um, those will be available at shows. And I'm definitely gonna try to get into Joan Ardones, um, so that hopefully people could go. You know, if they can't make the release show, pick up some vinyl. 
And uh, yeah, man, all the streaming services, YouTube, check all that stuff out. If, if you know people are out there and want to check it out, all that stuff is uh, linked on my on my website. So, and that's uh, Mike Miz Music, right? Yeah, MikeMizMusic.com. Yeah, that's it. Sweet. Well, Mike, thanks again for doing this. Thanks again for the great music that you always give us. Um, honor to know you again. I'm, I'm proud of uh, where you are today, and it's it's awesome to. Uh, to see another great musician come out of uh, NEPA. So again, I think you're on that, that still on the upward trajectory, which is great. So, yeah. Well, man, I just want to say thanks so much for having me and thank you for doing what you do. Like people like you are like godsends for guys like, you know, me and, and all the other people we talked about who are slugging it out every day, you know, just, just for the sake of making music, man, you guys, you people, you know, you doing stuff like this, it, it literally makes it worthwhile for us. So it's it's right back at you. A huge oh. honor. And I totally respect and honor what you're doing. So Thank you. The pleasure literally is all mine. Thank you very much. <laughs> all right. Well, hopefully uh, I'll see you uh, at the Jazz Cafe when you're in town. Sounds good. Yeah, come right. on by. Sounds good, man. Thanks so much. Yep. All right. Talk to you soon. All right. We'll see you. All right.